0: previously on Maverick.
1: When Muslims encounter God in the person of Jesus, it rocks their world.
0: Bashada started sending messages on WhatsApp. He's saying stuff like, Jesus is my God, and you know,
2: only with Jesus. We didn't know what to think. What are you doing? Have
1: you become an infidel? Someone saw him reading his Bible, and that's when his uncle picked up the pistol and shot twice.
0: This is Maverick. And here in episode two, we're picking up where we left off in Bashara's story. And rather than draw this all out, I'm just going to tell you up front Bashara doesn't die. The gun goes off, shells fall to the ground, and Bashara lives to tell about it.
2: I watched him put the bullet in the gun. He cocked it and took the safety off. Then he fired. I felt the kick of the gun. It was so strong.
0: He said that in the moment that the gun went off, he felt a cool hand press against his head, shielding him from impact.
2: Even though the bullet disappeared, the force of the gun still knocked me to the ground. I got back up, clutching the Bible in my hands. He fired again. But no bullet ever hits me.
0: Okay, I think we need to stop here. Because this is probably the most important point in Bashara's story for you, the listener. Because if you can't get past this moment, you're going to have a hard time getting past the other crazy stuff from here on out. Bashara would tell you that what happened that day was a miracle. But I think for a lot of us, there's just this weird relationship between the modern-day church and supernatural things. You know, you read about the stuff that happens in the book of Acts and you walk away with this incredible capacity for expecting miracles, but then you walk back into everyday life and you look around you and you just don't see the same things. And we're all left to grapple with what that means. And we're going to really dig into all that in a later episode, but even right here at the beginning, as I'm telling this story, I understand that it requires a bit of wrestling. You kind of have to decide if you believe that God works in this way or you don't. This story requires faith. But with that said, faith doesn't mean ignorance. When Bashar says that a gun goes off and bullets fall to the ground, we need to consider all the possibilities. And there are basically three one, the gun misfired. Two, things didn't really go down like this and Bashar is lying. Or three, this moment really happened just like Bashar said it did and this is supernatural intervention. So in order to rule out possibility number one, a malfunctioning gun, we turned to gun expert, Bill Twynum. And you're still in in the world of guns. I am, I am. I'm very
3: passionate about this. I've been doing this for a lot of years.
0: Bill became a cop in 1981 and has had a long career of working with firearms.
3: I was on patrol, then I became a training officer. So I was training recruits and I also became a firearms instructor. And then I got certified in submachine gun instruction, tactical shotgun instruction, handgun and tactical handgun instruction. And then I got selected for SWAT. So for ten years, I was in one of the first three through every door hostage situations, um, search warrants, meth labs, all that kind of stuff.
0: And even after retirement, he continues to teach gun safety classes. He said I could meet him at the range for our interview, and when I got there, he even offered to teach me to shoot. Chin forward
3: a little bit. There you go. That, like that. Good. Slowly press the trigger. That's it. Look at that. Bullseye. Bullseye. That literally is all there is to shooting a gun.
0: But eventually, we sat down to talk about Bashara's story and what could have happened with his uncle's gun. Walk me through, like, what are the different kinds of malfunctions that are even possible in this scenario?
3: There's four malfunctions that that go on. Failure to feed, failure to fire, boom, failure to extract, and failure to eject, the empty bullet.
0: And Bill narrowed down these possibilities pretty quickly, because in some of these instances of malfunction, the gun won't even go off. According to Bashara, it definitely fired, so those get taken off the table. Other malfunctions are due to operator error, which can't be 100% dismissed, but are pretty unlikely based on the fact that Bashar's uncle was prolific with guns.
3: Because of his awareness as a soldier and as a gunner, I can't imagine at that point it was operator error. So then it leads me to two things. Either the bullets were corroded or it was divine.
0: And if bullets are corroded, you said they're gonna fall. They're no, going no, to okay. no.
3: If the bullets are corroded, That means liquid has gotten in here around this because it's not watertight. It's real tight, but it's not necessarily watertight.
0: So it won't ever leave the barrel if that's the case. That's correct. Okay. And would you say somebody who's gun savvy is going to notice something like that? Absolutely.
3: When I take this and I go to load it in here, I look at every bullet. You can't not
0: and it would be obvious if it It were. would be
3: obvious if there was if it was corroded here or corroded around here. You would know.
0: So basically, if the bullets were corroded, Bashara's uncle would have noticed. And even if he didn't notice and loaded the corroded bullet into the gun, the chances of this happening twice in a row are slim to none. And while none of this is absolutely definitive, it certainly makes the malfunctioning gun less likely than other possibilities. Here's how Bill summed it up.
3: I have literally fired hundreds of thousands of bullets. And my malfunctions, I could probably count on one hand. I still am of the opinion it was divine intervention.
0: So turning to the other possibilities. Either Bashar was lying or this was a miracle. And of course, I can't actually prove anything. So I'm left to make some educated guesses. But basically, it comes down to what Bashar had to gain from all of this and how he responded. And this is really what juries are trying to figure out when someone's on trial. What's the motive? What is there to gain? Did they become a millionaire by fabricating something? Then yeah, they probably lied. And then at the same time, what does Bashara do next? How does he respond to what he said happened? What does he do with pressure? Does his story change as it starts costing him more? In scripture, you've got these accounts of Jesus walking around doing unbelievable things. And what corroborated those stories in a big way is how the disciples reacted. What they saw changed how they lived. They put their lives on the line. They gave up everything they once thought was important. And they held on to their claims even when it meant they were killed. They had everything to lose and nothing to gain by making the claims they made. Unless it was all true. And remember those seemingly insignificant details we talked about in episode one? This is where the first one comes into play because Bashara was comfortable. He had everything he could want in life, rich family, good status, success. The only thing that would mess that up for him was to become a Christian. There isn't really an angle here. Bashara had nothing to gain and everything to lose unless it was true. And then there's everything he does from here on out that will really make the case for his truthfulness because Bashara doesn't shrink back. The only wrong move when your uncle attempts to murder you is to become more bold. If you're being disingenuous, that's the moment to fold. But as the trigger went off, Bashara became 100% convinced that this was truth worth dying for.
1: It was like that point with the pistol on his head. When he chose the Bible, it was this explosion. Something went off in this amazing trajectory that nobody could have seen coming.
0: So it didn't work. Bashara was still very much alive and his uncle was freaked out. He figured that if he tried to kill him again, something really bad was gonna to happen to him as a repercussion. But he still needed to convince Bashara to recant or at least punish him for becoming an infidel. So he started grabbing everything Bashara owned and piling it outside.
2: When my uncle realized he couldn't shoot me, he said I must be kicked out of the house. I watched my uncle take my clothes, my computer, and even grabbed my money. He put it all in a pile outside. He poured a liter of gas and burned everything. I was very upset was a hard moment, very hard.
1: So he's got nothing left. Losing everything is hard, but it's not just about sending him away empty handed. It goes even deeper and becomes even more painful when you understand that clothes are a big deal in that part of the world. There's just a high value on them and it's really absurd even for a wealthy family to waste them. So for Bashar's uncle to burn his clothes, it was a statement. He was saying to everyone watching that those clothes are now worthless because they belong to him. They're dirty and unusable, and by burning them, it was like he was trying to erase the stain of Bashar from the family.
0: So what do you do with that? I mean, he's just seen God show up and rescue him. But then he steps into the very next moment and watches his life be reduced to ash. In a way, he's up against these two characteristics of God. He knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can save him from any circumstance. And at the same time, he's experiencing the reality that God will also allow him to walk through painful things, things he wishes God would save him from. I think that's such a perfect microcosm of Bashara's journey. And really sort of a foreshadowing of the next couple years
2: of his life. Before that moment, I wasn't sure how strong my faith was. I knew I wanted to follow Jesus, but I was worried that I wasn't going to be strong enough to suffer for him. And even though I was losing everything, I had peace. I had peace too because I had my answer. I chose Jesus, and he was worth it.
0: In 2012, the Colorado State Forest Service started what they called a controlled burn. They lit the fire hoping to prevent a future forest fire. They intended for it to burn a few acres of brittle brush. What they did not intend was for it to stretch 1,400 acres, destroy 23 homes, and kill three people. But that's the nature of a fire. It might not always go where we want it to go, and accomplish what we want it to accomplish. Even with the best of intentions, starting a fire is risky. That's what Bashara's family didn't know that day, as they watched all his belongings burn. They lit an unintended fire, a kindling of Bashara's faith. They thought they could stop him, but they didn't realize that suffering produces perseverance. They thought they could deplete him, but they didn't account for the fact that once faith is tested and proven, it becomes more valuable than gold. They couldn't see that what looked like Bashara losing was actually a moment of him gaining.
1: If you lose your life, If you pick up your cross, which is, you know, a means of torture and death, then you'll actually save it. Bashara and I talked a lot about that. And we talked about the parable of the treasure in the field. There's no way for that person in the parable to get the treasure unless he sells everything that he has. And I can tell you that up until that moment with Bashara, I hadn't seen many people abandon everything for the sake of buying that field. But that's exactly what Bashara did. and. He had so much to give up. He had so much to lose for it. When you think about it, he chose what was absolutely crazy in the eyes of the world. He traded everything for the sake of a treasure that no one could see, because it's underneath the ground and takes eyes of faith to see it. But God had given him those eyes.
2: It's true that if you suffer The sufferings won't last a long time, but later, there is deep joy that doesn't end. It's like nothing else on this earth. It's priceless. This is the thing that gives me strength.
1: It's such an amazing thing to watch what suffering does in Bashar's life, and of course, getting shot at and kicked out was just the tip of the iceberg but even in all that it was proof that God uses evil for good and I think the thing that really took us by surprise was just how much good was going to come from it and there was just no way to prepare for the stuff that was about to happen next.
0: On the next episode of Maverick
2: I was always asking God let my boss not know the
1: things I'm doing. His boss insisted, he said, come pray with us. And he said, no. And he said, come pray. And he said, no. And then his boss said, why not? And he said, because I'm a Christian.
0: Maverick is brought to you by Pioneers. Special thanks to Bill Twineham and Fis Akonga as the voice of Bashara. For show notes or to find out how you can get involved, go to pioneers.org slash Maverick.